Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Oh, yes, delivery. Gendouzi's header. Here's an opportunity, Sanchez. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. And Dolberg. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Hello, and coming up on today's show, we dissect Sunday's all-important classic, which saw a Neymarless PSG slice through Marseille and restore an eight-point gap atop the Ligue 1 Uber Eats table. We look at the continued excellent form of Stade de Reims and OGC Nice under Didier Diga, and also announce the winner of February's Lionel Messi PSG jersey before kicking off another month's trivial madness in our Deja Who quiz. Strap in then for a classic of an episode. Hi everyone, my name's Ian Holyman, back from, uh, I have to say, a not entirely deserved holiday. And joining me today is uh, Jeremy Magon, who's based in Australia, host of the Breaking the Lines podcast. And Jeremy uh, is uh, a little bit sad today. He's a Marseille fan. We've also got Ligue 1 commentator Andreas Evagora, who's uh, a Paris based Englishman, uh, an Arsenal fan, so we'll uh, we'll talk about Nuno Tavares, Matteo Genduzzi and uh, Sead Kolasinac and just how they didn't manage to keep track of Kylian Mbappe on Sunday evening. Matt Spiro saw the classic. The PSG boss is under serious pressure. That's well played by Malinowski. Nuno Tavares in the clear. Great chance for Marseille. Tavares tackled by Nuno Mendes. Oh, he just took too long. Huge opportunity for Marseille as uh, Nuno Tavares broke clear. He was tackled by his namesake, Nuno Mendes. Kimpembe, well, he went down as it, I think he tried to accelerate to get back and challenge uh, Nuno Tavares. This could be Big blow for Paris Saint-Germain if Kipembe is not going to play any further part in tonight's contest. Vitinha turning well, finding Messi. Three against three here. Lionel Messi, Mbappe, Kylian Mbappe through the middle. There it is. He only needs one chance and Kylian Mbappe silences the orange velodrome. Absolutely lethal from PSG's number seven. The first dangerous counter-attack. Mbappe racing onto Messi's pass and Kylian Mbappe with a low, assured finish beyond Paul Lopez. Nicely done by Vitinha at the beginning. Messi's pass was uh, timed perfectly and Mbappe, well, once he gets clear, he usually makes you pay. He is now the top scorer in Liga Ubris with 16 goals. Yeah, a big one for Paris Saint-Germain. They are in the lead in this absolutely vital fixture. Can Marseille respond here? Shot on for Nuno Tavares. He's absolutely smashed it. Eric Bailly has finished it, but he's in an offside position. Well, he's used his hand, Eric Bailly. 
not sure he was offside. He may have been level with the defender, but it's the handball. Mendes, Mbappe, Mbappe on his bike again. Killing Mbappe. Mbappe's cross, it's two! Lionel Messi! As Mbappe returns the favour, Paris Saint-Germain strike twice in the space of two minutes. What a response from the champions. Oh, we know that Mbappe can finish, but he can provide as well. He's at the start of the move. Nuno Mendes with the return ball. Mbappe clearly onside. And what about this for a pass? Messi timed his run. It's a super goal from Paris Saint-Germain and they lead here by two goals to nil. Mbappe, Nuno Mendes now. Mendes into the box, getting it into the middle as well. Messi again. Well, it should have been 3-0 there to Paris Saint-Germain. Glorious chance for Lionel Messi after this fine run. Nuno Mendes cutting it back dangerously with Lopez committed and on the ground. Messi should be putting that away. Messi. Messi, he's got Mbappe going. Mbappe in the clear again. Killing Mbappe. It's another huge opportunity. Now Marseille being carved open at the back at will. It was brilliant from Messi. Just feel that Marseille are too insecure at the back. Look at this. Marquinhos. So much space in the Marseille defence. Marquinhos going all the way. So close. You don't often see PSG's centre-back and skipper running in behind the opposition defence like that. He wasn't far away, was he, from uh, making it 3-0. Alexis Sanchez, it is over the wall and it's saved by Donnarumma. Oh, Donnarumma's gone walkabouts. Great chance here for Marseille. Well, it, it wasn't easy for Alexis Sanchez, but the, uh, the goal was gaping. Terrible misjudgment from the Italian. Mbappe. Messi, Messi through. Mbappe, oh, what a strike. What a way to bring up your 200th goal, Kylian Mbappe makes it 3-0 to PSG with a stunning left-footed volley. Absolutely world-class. Messi's pass was perfectly flighted, but still so much for Kylian Mbappe to do. And on his weaker left foot, he provides a finish like this. Absolutely extraordinary. Nothing, nothing is beyond this young man. He is now level with Edinson Cavani as Paris Saint-Germain's record goal scorer. And he's done it all by the age of 24. Tavares. Good cross from Tavares. Surely Marseille will score. Oh, it's a huge chance for Vitinha. The January signing with an opportunity to score his first Marseille goal. Brilliant cross from Nuno Tavares. Vitinha was on his own. Credit to Donnarumma, but uh, the Marseille number nine will be disappointed that he didn't bury that. Well, we'll start with Andreas while while Jeremy wipes the tears from his <laughs> eyes and the, the large lump from his throat. Andreas, Paris Saint-Germain, beaten in the Coupe de France at the Stade, the Stade Velodrome. Everyone, <clears throat> particularly Marseille fans, were getting carried away this was going to be back-to-back victories over Paris Saint-Germain the first time in the QSI era, blah, 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 blah. Um, it wasn't, was it? And quite definitively so. 
It, it certainly wasn't. This was a real reality check and a very different match from that, that cup match. Uh, PSG, uh, from their point of view, they switched to three at the back. It worked very well. Uh, I think this proves beyond doubt that for these big matches, they are much better off without Neymar. Certainly, they cannot play the front three uh, together. The, you know, those big names, uh, Messi, Neymar and Mbappe together for these big games. One has to be dropped. Neymar was uh, injured for this one. It worked much better. Um, and it was very, very convincing. Sorry, me, sorry, Jeremy, I, I, I was commentating this for another outlet and it, it was one-way traffic. It could have been five or six. Uh, and Mbappe was just brilliant as as uh, was Messi also stepping up to the plate. Uh, PSG looked much more comfortable with that formation. Um, Kylian Mbappe, 200 goals. So he's now level with, with Edison Cavani. I think it was so easy. I, I think actually Mbappe was holding back and not scoring another goal because I think he wants to score the 201st goal uh, at home against Nantes next week, which I, I suspect he will do. It was so easy that at one stage, um, Marquinhos just kind of strode through, um, nearly scored himself uh, as, as the most attacking player. We do have to say, though, from Marseille's point of view, they were without their best two defenders uh, in Gigo uh, and Mbemba. Um, Eric Bay really struggled at the back. Bailly's play, he hasn't even played one hour in football since the start of January, uh, Ian. So, you know, we can maybe forgive him for that. And and I started by saying this is a reality check. And I think people were getting a little bit uh, perhaps overexcited thinking that this will be a close title race. Look at that Marseille team. How many of that Marseille team will get in the PSG team? Well, a big fat zero. How many would even get on the bench? I don't think one Marseille player would get on the bench. Talking of which, the bench, we saw uh, Warren Zaire Emery, who's a brilliant young player, 16 years old, able to come on and play about, what, 25 minutes of the Classic. So, sorry for Marseille. I think they just need to put this behind them. I think they're still going to have a very good season. But this was a, a big and very convincing win for, for PSG. Yeah, we're, we're all living in plan- on planet Mbappe this morning, says <laughs> says L'Equipe. His two, 200 goals for Paris Saint-Germain have come in 246 games. Cavani got his in 301. And already 301 is an incredible strike rate. 246. It is incredible. I mean, they did some comparisons. He's, I think he's uh, around the same level of Ibrahimovic in terms of goals per game. Uh, but 200, even though he's playing for the best team in the country, uh, it, it, it's a phenomenal strike rate. And they were dissecting some of his numbers. If there's one area he could maybe improve, it's his heading. He's only scored four headers in that 200. 20 of those are penalties. Um, but yeah, a, a fantastic player in PSG. Really need to do everything to keep him. Because remember, his, his contract could be up next summer in 2024. Um, and losing him will be a disaster. Jeremy, if you can. I'm sorry to do this to you, but tell us, I mean... Obviously, optimism was was pretty high um, uh, among Marseille fans, and I think justifiably so. They played well. They had that Coupe de France, that Coupe de France victory, as well. But I mean, this looks like again, it's eight points now. The difference at the top of the table. Uh, we were talking about a potential title race. Marseille could be two points behind. Um, there was just there was more than than one class in, of, of difference, wasn't there? It was maybe two two or three, this was really a, a statement by PSG that Marseille are not really anywhere near PSG right now, in fact. Yeah, I think it's a it's a fair statement. And uh, of course, there's a sadness after a, a game where you lose 3-0 at home and, and it's really, um, sort of really remind you of 20 years ago when Ronaldinho 
did the same thing to to Marseille and and shut down the Velodrome to the point where it was almost applauded by some of the fans. I think you know it's also what should be expected of a team like Paris Saint Germain. The only reason why there was rumors or words of a title race was because Paris has lost three times in the past month. Otherwise, Marseille would be nowhere near um, the the reigning champions. So I, I think. Paris Saint-Germain just let that happen to them. And then when Marseille beat them, and then when they lose against Bayern, there was probably a bit of a consciousness in the Paris team that, well, games aren't going to win themselves and you have to actually show up to win them. And we've seen it, um, I was going to say this morning, last night in France, this morning in Australia, uh, you know, the first two or three duels between Sergio Ramos and Alexis Sanchez. Ramos was as physical as I've ever seen him this season. And it was probably a good way for Paris to say, right, we're not here to just figure we're here to actually play this game and then Marseille the way they wanted to play I think they played exactly in the strength of Paris Saint-Germain Paris Saint-Germain loves nothing more than a team who's actually going to attack try and keep the ball because when you have a, a, a player like Kylian Mbappe and a Lionel Messi or a Marco Verratti to send him into orbit you want a team that is happy to to sort of play higher so I think it's not surprising when we look at the results of Marseille recently whether it was Clermont or or Monaco obviously Nice it's always going to be a bit tedious in the first half and, and a bit hard to come in. And we've always loaded Tudor's ability to make changes, to change that at halftime or early in the game. Um, Paris Saint-Germain took the measure of Marseille in the first half. And then in the second half, when they started playing a little bit more, then, then they killed them there. It's worth to note, I think, that you know Marseille is struggling up front all season. And we're seeing it again, that opportunity from Tavares when, unfortunately, um, Kimbembe injures himself. is something that could have changed the game a minute after he's got the same opportunity and completely um, screws it away. There was a few chances where they could have tried to tell Paris Saint-Germain, we're here for you. You can't afford to miss those chances when you play a team that is in that form that PSG is right now. I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm sort of happy that we see PSG playing the way they're supposed to play because they're supposed to be the engine that brings France and the competition higher. So we need them to play this way for the rest of the competition to understand what it takes to be at the top of the league. Um, for Marseille, I think, you know, the, the, the win against the Cup was maybe more important because I feel like the championship would be a, a dream that's hard to achieve. The Cup is achievable and whatever they get then in the league is more of a bonus. So I think it's a, it's a blessing is these guys, you know, you know now that we can't get to, to the top of the league and we need to focus on trying to get straight Champions League qualification, which Monaco and Lance not winning this weekend helped us as well. Um, Paris Saint-Germain, when they play like this, are just too strong. Obviously, Mbappé um, is amazing. Andrea said it without Neymar. They're probably a better team with uh, with support around Verratti. They're probably a better team. Um, and so hopefully they they keep it that way. It was it was good to see PSG actually showing up because at the, at the French Cup round, I feel like they were just walked over by Marseille. And it's not something that you should see from a team as mm. strong as PSG on paper. Yeah, I, th- I think that that... that... That tackle by Kimpembe, which looks look, it's it's cost him the rest of the season. He's he's ruptured an Achilles. That that was as much a statement as as uh, the, the the challenges that Sergio Ramos put in early. Because you can you kind of expect it from Sergio Ramos to lay down a marker, shall we say? He's a, he's old school in, in that respect. And I have to say, just a quick aside, um, you know, an amazing international career that he brought the curtain down on uh, uh, last week, Sergio Ramos, but. Uh, Kim Pembe, it was very, very reminiscent of that tackle. I think he put in on Burak Yilmaz uh, or, or against Lille, anyway, when he when he injured himself as well. Um, this one, obviously, a more serious injury, and, and and let's hope he recovers, he recovers fully from that for the for the start of next season. But 
Um, you know, PSG certainly had the had the individual quality. Just look at the third goal, which I have to say I've already seen this season. Do you remember if you saw that the Neymar chip to Mbappe against Juventus? Uh, ex- exactly the same goal, but a, a brilliant bit of play. But Andreas Christoph Galtier this time got it right, didn't he? And he also had a Fabian Ruiz and a Vitinha, as Jeremy as Jeremy said, around Verratti. And that looked like a very, very, very good midfield three in the setup with the back three and then the the, the two wing backs. Whereas Tudor, who'd gone for Valentin Rongier in a back three uh, in the Coupe de France game, kind of switched it up a bit and had Rongier moving a little bit more forward. And with Bailly certainly very, very short of, of, of seemingly match fitness and, and match rhythm after that seven-game ban for, well, uh, the, that kung fu attack, basically as I think it would be described in the British tabloids, um, in the Coupe de France, it, that was that was probably a mistake, wasn't it? I mean, Galtier won the tactical battle. I think he got it right, by the way, Ian. Don't call it Kung Fu, because I once did that when we were working together years ago, and I had Kung Fu enthusiasts getting onto me, saying that, that Kung Fu has nothing to do with kicking people in the head, which I didn't know. So apologies to Kung Fu enthusiasts. Um, I think you're right. I mean, Galtier was really under a lot of pressure because you know the those three defeats that Jeremy talked about um he's, he was ill during the week he didn't he didn't take a couple of the training sessions he, he had a, a very heavy cold and as you know Ian, he's normally a very kind of um like effusive guy with the press he's very friendly and he's like you know uh it's sort of your your, your favorite uncle and he, he you, you could tell he was a bit under pressure he was a little bit antsy with the press and maybe for the first time uh it, it pressure may be telling but now, he got the decisions right, but I, it was again. I think it was almost forced on him. Not having Neymar, uh, it rejigged that midfield. And I thought Vitinha was very good yesterday. Vitinha, who started brilliantly for PSG uh, back in August, September, and his his form dipped a bit. Uh, Verratti had a very clear role, which he did superbly. And Ruiz, for me, had his best game in a in a PSG shirt. It was kind of inside left channel. Um, so I, I think that's a good formula, and that might be one. That can that can beat Bayern Munich. Remember, they've got to go and beat Bayern Munich um, in ten days' time by two goals. But Kimpembe is a, is, a, is a big problem, Ian, because you know if they're going to play with three at the back, that's why that Kimpembe, as you say, is out for the season. That means Danilo will have to come in, and they don't really have any other options apart from that, from what I can see, unless they you know maybe bring in a, a fullback playing in the back three. But <clears throat> that's if if um, Galtio sticks with that back three, it's going to be those three players basically right for the rest for the rest of the season and yeah that's always a bit of a risk isn't it one dropping a bit of form or or getting an injury but look let's look at the positives uh PSG doing well there Ramos was superb um but again perspective the last time PSG lost a league game at the Velodrome if my maths are right uh Warren Zaire Emery was four years old I mean, it was 2011, right? I mean, it really is. Sorry again, Jerome, but it's it's a very, very nice place for PSG to go to. They, they Most of those have been wins as well. So, you know, we shouldn't. And I think uh, Tudor will just tell his players, as I say, to try and put that behind him. But put that behind them uh, as they go and try and get that second place. So the negatives of PSG, that, that Kimpembe injury. There is one thing I, I did want to talk about, though, again, Ian, which was the fact there were no PSG fans there. And um, I thought that was a real shame. You know, uh, 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 this is the biggest match in French football. 
and um, the local police with, with the ministry put out one of these edicts saying that no Parisian can travel to Marseille. Uh, and the reason I, I just read the, the police um, justification for that, uh, which was a few weeks ago, and it was saying, well, because there's been a history of, of rivalry and problems between the teams. Now, come on, that is not a reason to ban fans. It's a bit like me going to the doctor and the doctor saying, well, I'm not going to give you any medicine because, well, the last time I gave you the wrong medicine. And th this is the week, remember, that there was this damning report on on police behaviour um, ahead and during the, uh, the, the the Champions League final at Saint-Denis. Um, and as someone, as a fan of French football, I, I really hope this is not going to be just a permanent knee-jerk reaction banning fans. I'm going to Nantes on Wednesday. Nantes against Lons in the Cup. That should be a fantastic match with two, you know, two great clubs of French football, two great sets of fans. How many fans will be there? None. Again, it's being played behind closed doors. So I, I really hope the, the, the French authorities, uh, the, uh, especially the police, look at it and don't just have this as a, as a permanent state of affairs where there's no, no away fans, because that, that was maybe the one thing that, that was missing on an otherwise very good night for PSG. Yeah, it has become rather systematic, actually, hasn't it? Just the banning of away fans, and I think it's it's telling in uh, in terms of the policing or, or the lack of experience of policing, particularly at European games where they have no choice but to allow uh, European uh, visiting fans. And I have to say, even in Monaco on Thursday night, when for the Leverkusen game, uh, a huge amount of riot police. And I was with a, a friend of mine and his very elderly parents, very elderly, and um, we have to we had to walk right around we couldn't just sort of go through no 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 sir you've got to go right round. It, it's very uh it was just it was just over the top and 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 clearly i think there's a lot of a lot of lessons to be learned particularly from that uh from that that champions league thing uh, jeremy looking at it from from a little bit from the outside how, how how do you see this problem yeah i think i think it's probably an issue with the french society without going you know, too far in there. I, I was in, in France about a month ago. I went on holidays and I went to watch uh, Marseille-Lorient at the Stade Vélodrome. Um, and as as much as I, you know, love my team, I'm born over there, um, I have to say that there's, just between fans in general, there, there's this old, you know, sort of like tradition that is maybe what England knew 20 or 30 years ago where, where the hooligans would meet uh, before or after the game, and it's something that has never died. I think in French football, even when um, you know, even when fans aren't supposed to travel, I'm sure everybody remembers what happened um, when Lyon was playing in Paris um, last year in in the Coupe de France, and when all these all these issues have happened with fans that weren't even from the Paris FC. So I think, unfortunately, it's an issue that that's pretty uh, broad in in the French society because it's not just Marseille and Paris. Um, Andreas mentioned it, it was not when the Frankfurt fans come to Marseille, um, it, it went wrong. Uh, so I think there's definitely a lot of sort of training to do um, as far as the police force. I mean, when you look at, you know, talking about Marseille, there's a hotel a meter and a half away from the entra entrance door. So you can have the fans coming in early, making sure that they're in the stadium, keeping them there until all the Marseille fans are gone, and then putting them into the hotel and then making sure that you're offering them a safe way around. Now there's always going to be fans who are trying to not be safe and who are trying to, um, you know, make some damage and, and on both sides. And I think the issue is that we, in France, we are not able to to police that properly. But like I said, I think it's it's a society issue more than just 
uh, a footballing issue. Violence is unfortunately creeping up in the in the country, and and football really, I guess, makes that worse. I, I agree with that, but I think in France there's this suspicion among the French authorities that all football fans are up to no good. And of course, there's problems. Of course, there's problems in England. But I mean, the last match I went to in England was Arsenal West Ham, um, which was in December. Now, back in the day, Arsenal West Ham that was a, a, a tough match, and you really had to be careful. And there was a lot of violence surrounding that clash. I, I went to that match, and there was no hint of any trouble at all. Fans, police, and clubs have to work together, which they've done successfully in England. And I just don't get the feeling that's the case. Of course, there's, there are a lot of bad elements at, at certain clubs. And last night we saw a few things being thrown onto the pitch. But, you know, the police have to work with the clubs. There's no point in just banning fans because that doesn't get rid of the problem. That's my view anyway. And, you know, and, and hopefully over the next few seasons, we'll, we'll see more away fans in French football in general. Hopefully so. Let's, let's get back to, to events on, on the pitch. Um, Lionel Messi's 700th club goal. Uh, that's not bad either. But Kylian Mbappe. Now, okay, uh, we, we've got a, we've got a, Messi. Obviously, we've got a deal. Nobody's really talking about that contract either, because I think that that's got to be that's got to be dealt with by PSG, and they've got to try and keep him too, because he's playing really, really well. I mean, you know, thirty-five. He showed at the World Cup that he's still capable of just dragging a team on his own. Okay, dragging a team full of brilliant footballers but still he was the difference between them and France winning the World Cup I mean there's there's, there's no doubt about that but Kylian Mbappe 24 this is the global superstar of the next 10 years I mean uh, we've we've talked about Erling Haaland or people have talked about Erling Haaland at the minute Mbappe is just blowing everybody away he's got this option that he apparently can activate for a third year in June, which means that he would be there till 2025, which puts off this almost annual talk mm. of him moving to A, B, C, or D, and, and, and E is Real Madrid. Um, can PSG keep him? Will PSG keep him? Will he activate this option? Um, and, and to be honest, if he, if he doesn't, who can afford him? I think that's, that is a key question. Who can possibly afford Kylian Mbappe? What well, I think is two different things. Who can afford him with a transfer fee? Because if someone has to pay, I was going to say 150 million. I mean, post Chelsea, that doesn't do it, does it? 250 million, whatever it is. Um, then there's the wages. Uh, the other option is that Mbappe sees out the end of his contract. Uh, and goes for a free, and economically that changes everything because obviously, if if you don't have to pay that 150, 200 million, then that can go towards wages. So, uh, who can afford it? It's a very, very small uh, group of teams that could possibly afford Mbappe. I mean, the situation is that the, his contract is till twenty twenty four, but then there's an option to extend, as as you were saying, Ian. So, if it, basically, if Mbappe wants to leave in twenty twenty four, he can. I think it's going to be his decision. He's an amazing uh, media operator as well as an amazing player on the pitch. He has this ability, doesn't he, to sort of um, kind of set the media agenda just with a couple of words in a tweet. Uh, you know, it, it is quite amazing. He'll, he'll do whatever he wants and why not? You know, he's probably the most talented player on the planet at the moment. If he wants to go to Real Madrid, if he wants to go to England, if he wants to go somewhere else. Um, Messi is slightly different because he came under very different circumstances uh, he's on a, a very large contract as well. He has been apparently getting uh, interest from 
Saudi Arabia, where obviously Ronaldo has gone. And I don't think we can not talk about Neymar, Ian, because he's got an even longer-term contract um, on also huge. Of course, they're on huge wages, but Neymar's got his big wages as well. But according to all indications, Neymar is the happiest in Paris. Neymar seems very happy with his life on and off the pitch in Paris. Who would really buy Neymar is the question as well. I don't see anyone coming in for Neymar on his wages. Um, but if he wants to stay, he's going to stay. So it, it's a fascinating, uh, it, there's so many little uh, elements going on and, and so many relations going on between the three of them as well, because obviously Messi and Neymar get on great. We all know that. They're, they're very good friends off the pitch. Um, it has to be dealt with fairly soon, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mbappe does the same thing, Ian, and just runs the, runs all the way through to the end of his contract and decides then what it's based on. Who knows? You could say, if PSG win the Champions League, he'll stay. There's an argument that if he wins the Champions League with PSG, he'll see that as a job done and move on. Only he knows. They have to find a way to make him stay, don't they? Like I feel like he's, he's given them the the roadmap. He, he's told them several times now that he wants to sort of be in charge. He wants to be the center of the project. And and that roadmap really feels like it's you know um, pushing Neymar away, which, as, as Andrea says, is probably the the hard thing to do and and you know Luis Campos early in the season had, had given that um you know pretty pretty lunar interview uh, at RMC saying that um he hadn't succeeded in his um transfer window because he had Messi and uh, Neymar and Mbappé sorry who were the same kind of players uh, and so that was one too many um so I, I think he's he's saying what he wants and I think what he wants is obviously the Ballon d'Or and the Champions League and if he could bring the Champions League to Paris I think he would try and stay here forever. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, despite all his youth dream, etc. But I think they just have to make sure that they give him a team to be able to, to do that. I think Messi is a great compliment to Mbappé. I think without Messi, Neymar could be a great compliment to Mbappé as long as he plays for him. Uh, but but it's, it's a decision that's hard to make. But when you hear what Galche says on the back of that defeat against Bayern Munich, when you have Neymar and Messi up front and, and your answer is I knew I couldn't attack. I had to wait for Kylian Mbappe. It's it's obvious that that's what they want to go for. I don't know any other coach that would say that with with Neymar and Messi up front. Uh, but but it's obvious that they are now realizing, in case they needed to, um, that Mbappe is the the X factor and and is the player that can make it and is the player without who they can't make it really. Um, so so I would think that you know we've seen some pretty um, savvy business made by the uh, the Qatari uh, owners of Paris Saint Germain. I would think that they'll be able to uh, to find something, whether it's you know giving it to the the maybe future brothers club Manchester United or or something or something along those lines. But I'm sure they'll find a way to uh, to make Mbappe happy. Every word that Mbappe says is is analysed and dissected. And after one match recently, on the I think it was the Bayern game, um, he said something very strange. And so, someone asked him about what do you have to do to beat Bayern in the second leg. And Mbappe said, "Well, if everyone eats and sleeps properly, we've got a chance." And I think I was like, what on earth is he talking about? Well, he's talking about one of his teammates. Uh, I think we know who it is, who's quite famed for his um, for his mega parties out in a, a town called Bougival, west of, of Paris. Um, but, you know, the, whatever we say about Mbappe, he is a, a, an ultimate professional. I mean, he's the guy that actually turns up for training on New Year's Eve when he doesn't have to. He's done that on a couple of occasions. He, he turned up for training before he had to after the World Cup. He will demand 
uh, ultimate professionalism from all his teammates, including Neymar. And I, I, judging from that particular, wasn't really interview, he just kind of came out with those words. He, he's not happy with that. I think that's a big factor as well. He'll demand that everyone around him is as professional uh, and demanding as he is. Yeah, and I'd just like to add on, on that point, if everybody would sleep and eat as well as I do uh, on this podcast, <laughs> then we'd be a lot better off as well. Not pointing any fingers, Andres. <laughs> anyway, believe it or not, there was some other football around France this weekend. <laughs> it, it does seem hard to believe. Reims, uh, he, you heard it here first, because I'm just about to go out on a limb. Will Steele, the New England manager, has named <laughs> that's That is coming up. Raz 3, Toulouse 0. Toulouse, I have to say, one of the most entertaining teams in Ligue 1 this season. But Raz unbeaten in 17 in the league. One loss in 20 matches in all competitions. It's Will Steele's only loss in charge. That was to Toulouse in the Cup. So there's a, a spot of revenge being had there this weekend. Uh, Junior Ito. What a buy. What a buy. And let's talk about following Balaga. I mean... Rans are doing a lot of things really, really well right now. Um, I just like to, I just like to say that. I thought that was that was cutting insight. <laughs> Angers one, Lyon three. Return to winning ways for 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 Lyon. I did, I did like this. Uh, just the way that uh, our our executive producer Stephen Willis put this. Uh, Lyon further crisped Angers' duck, which I uh, they. <laughs> I think that duck is, is is probably slightly black by now. Angers. Well adrift at the, at the bottom of the table. Another goal for Bradley Barkula. You don't know his, that name? Look out for that one. He's the, For me, we talk about Ryan Shirky at Leon, but I think Barkula is the next one to really come out, come out of that, that Leon Youth Academy and, and make a name for himself. Well, making a name for himself on the Côte d'Azur, having made one in Brittany, I have to say the Côte d'Azur, the weather's a lot better. Uh, Terra Moffi. It was the Terra Moffi show at the Côte d'Azur derby at the Stade Louis de Monaco will be very, very happy to be seeing the back of the Nigeria International after Sunday's events. Angus Turod saw this one. Good plan and in. And Terry Moffi finally gets his first goal for Nice to strike Les Aiglons in front. It's been a fast-paced beginning to the game, and Nice are in control again. Didier Degas, magic wand, has another little wave. Danch with a long ball forward. Moffi on the side, played on by Axel de Sassi. Danch with the vision. And the pace provided by the Nigerian. Is that the start of many a goal for Terry Moffi? in the shirt of Nice, on loan from Lorient. Another run. Terry Moffi's on the way, there's no uh, flag for this. Terry Moffi to make it two, and he does! Off and running! Yes, we knew it was a good idea bringing him in, says the owner. Jim Ratcliffe in the crowd to see the side. Big stars on the bench for Monaco. Watching Terry Moffi announce himself as a Nice player. Speed has killed Monaco's defence twice now. Look how high they are. You cannot catch him offside if he's inside his own half of the field. And once he was gone, he was gone. No goals in his first three matches for Nice. But that's two now in one match in the Mediterranean derby. And Nice are beginning to create some margin of safety. Kevin Turam on the charge. Tackled, though, by uh, Mohamed Kamara. Gets the pass away, though. Terim Moffi, accompanied by Axel de Sassi. 
It's a good ball in, and that's a fabulous goal from Kefren Turam. Nice are taking Monaco apart, and Lillian Turam can appreciate what he's just seen from his son. Maybe not the dance, but the goal was spectacular. Turam went down initially, got back up again though. Moffy waits, sees him coming. And he hits it beautifully. There's not a good bounce there either before it arrives on his right foot. It's only the second goal that Kefren Turam has scored. Well, that is a sweet strike for 3-0 before half-time. So, Terram Moffy. I mean, he'd scored, what, 12 goals for Lorient this season uh, uh, already. Could have moved anywhere, really. Chose Nice in the January window. The first goal, the first goal was outstanding. Outstanding, outstanding. The first touch and the f- it's just one touch, brilliant control into his run from a very very long ball from from Dante. F- the finish was unerring. Second was 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 fairly similar, and then he tees up uh, a hugely improved Kefren Turam, who was watched by his dad uh, Lillian, who was former Monaco player, bit of a France legend uh, to 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 say the least. Has just just lost his all time appearance. A record for France to to Hugo Lloris, but Moffy, Jeremy, did you? Th- I mean, we knew he was he was pretty good. He looked good at Lorient, but yesterday he looked the world beater. Yeah, exactly, and and I think he'll be he'll be the first one relieved because his his beginning at Nice weren't as good. I mean, there was a couple of games where what, he had touched four four balls in like an hour of game before before seeing a bit more at the end. So. He'll be happy. It was great to see two two great games this weekend, and both of them end up with the away team winning 3-0. Uh, that tells you about how entertaining Liga is. I think you know again this was the perfect team for Nice to to perform. Monaco likes to play football and was trying to bring the ball up, and you know not having their their main defense. You know seeing Matsima, who's a little bit tender, I think uh, trying to stop Teremofi twice is is taken by by the offside or at least is not covering up well. Um, that that doesn't you know you 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 can't forgive that when you have uh, a striker of the talent of Terem Mofi. Those those goals though, I mean the first half three three shots three on target three goals. It tells you how strong they are. It, it, I think it did tell a bit of a story of how Monaco probably I don't know underestimated the the ability of Nice to counter attack because the first twenty minutes every time the Nice defense had the ball they were trying to find Mofi's run or Laborde on one of the sides uh, and they were playing direct football from the get-go so maybe a little bit of um yeah a little bit of inexperience from that defense to try and and stop that nice just you know under dj Gigar, they found a new a new gear they found um sort of like their um to use a term that's probably a bit to to use their, their dna a bit more grittiness a bit more um defensive um intensity and a bit more physicality and you mentioned uh, kefren turam he's is a monster in the midfield, both defensively mm. and offensively. His ability to recover the ball, his ability to project himself forward straight away is, is just fantastic. So it, it was a great game to watch. And yeah, those two players that you mentioned were just mind-blowing. Yeah, for me, Chiram, Chiram is, is, along with Chouameni, I mean, that, that is an, oh, that's going to be an awesome midfield for France. Absolutely awesome. I'd like to say that Nice shook off the sartorial faux pas of their, I think it's their third kit, which is purple and orange. No grown man, no grown man should be forced to wear that. I mean, I, I felt sorry for some of the goalkeepers, but this was an entire team. You saw uh, Aaron Ramsey looking particularly uncomfortable in in his before kickoff, and I'm, and I'm not surprised. But 
Fortunately for them, they've got a very young team, so maybe <laughs> maybe I'm I'm just it's a generational thing. But Andreas Didier Digar, I was saying this yesterday when I was working on on the league and highlights. So Didier Digar, now I'm slightly biased because I'm I'm from the northeast, but I'm I'm not a Middlesbrough fan, and he played for Middlesbrough. And I, I well, I Didier Digar, what's what? He's the coach. He's now been confirmed <laughs> till the end of the season. Sixth win, sixth win in eight. In, in in the league, and if the league table was the Didier Degar table, yeah. Nice would be three points clear at the top of it. I mean, can, can anyone put their hand up and say, yes, I thought Didier Degar would be an amazing coach? Can you? Well, no, I, I didn't. I don't like the way you said he's from Middlesbrough, like that's some sort of insult. I, I would remind you that England's two greatest Well, it ever... is an insult if you're from the northeast. <laughs> it, it, England's two finest ever... Coaches were both from Middlesbrough, remember? Don Ravi and Brian Clough. But anyway, let's, let's not go into that. I'm just looking at, at Nice's results and who they've beaten, Ian. And they haven't actually... They, they've beat Montpellier 6-1. Uh, then they beat Lille. They've beaten Longs away. They've beaten Marseille away. Then they beat Ajaxio. I mean, that's an amazing... It's not that they've just beaten anyone. They've beaten the top teams home and away. And they barely conceded a goal. I mean, they conceded one against Montpellier in a 6-1 win. So Didier Degas is doing an amazing job. Um, obviously picked the right centre forward to buy in Moffy. The midfield is working well. I agree, Taram is a great prospect. But also Aaron Ramsey, who didn't play the whole game yesterday, went off in the first half. But... He's transformed after the World Cup, and I have to give a bit of an apology because I think we were on a, a pod after the World Cup, and Aaron Ramsey turned up like three weeks for training, and I was like, "What's going on? He's got to show more commitment." It turned out that he had a few family issues, nothing serious, but he just wanted to spend a bit of time with his family. Uh, he sat down with David Browsford, uh, who is who runs the sporting side at Nice, and just said, "Look, I want a couple of weeks off." And I'll come back a stronger player. And he's done exactly that. And I think sometimes when he, you know, mustn't forget, we're talking about human beings here. Aaron Ramsey going to a new country, new language, the rest of it. Missed his family. Um, and Ramsey's been superb. Uh, Taram's been superb. Moffy, uh, we've mentioned it. But it, it was a funny old game because <clears throat> I was watching it on French TV. And after about, it must have been about an hour in, um, one of, and I think an underused stat came up, which was touches in the opposition box. And it was 25 to four in Monaco's favor, which was like, I thought, oh God, that's weird. And it actually silenced the French commentator. And as you know, Ian, to silence a French commentator really takes something because they never stop. Uh, normally two or three talking at the same time. But, it, 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 you know, it was a funny, it was a funny game. Monaco were getting in the box doing nothing. And Nice, as soon as they were getting anywhere near the, the goal, or in the case of Terem's goal, not even near the goal scoring. So, um, yeah, another good week for Nice. How high can they get? I think they can get one or two places higher. And, and well done to Didier Degas. Yeah, the seventh, seventh right now. Nine points off the top three. Five points off fifth. Sir Jim Ratcliffe was there. Lot, of course, a lot of talk about him potentially buying uh, Manchester United as well. I think, I think that stat that you mentioned, Andres, the, the people that they've beaten, 17 points from nine games against teams in the top half of the table. That is... We know that there's potential there. That stat proves it. And I think if they can keep if they can keep this group of young players, I think Tadebo is outstanding. I think I, and I think that he should be in the France team. I've had many an argument with many a Frenchman about that, but Tadebo should be in there uh, in place of 
well, pretty much anybody, quite frankly. Turam is 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 outstanding. Moffy is is brilliant. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of really really young players, and I mean those guys are only in their early twenties already. Kevin Turam's only twenty. They've got a lot of people coming through. They look really really good. I think they'll only get better as well because remember they just got um, Gisolfi, who used to uh, to run the the sporting department in Lens. And now he's in Nice, and we know how great he's done in, in Lance with Tranquez. I think one thing that Digger actually did really well as well, that same thing is not probably mentioned enough, is moving a couple of players in position where they are more comfortable. I mean, we've seen Budawi played for two seasons as a right-back, right-winger, and now he is, as a central midfielder, exactly in his element. He's technically gifted. He runs like no one and for 97 minutes if you have to. Uh, and same same with the use of Gaetan Laborde, who's the most selfless striker we have in France uh, and he's put him exactly where he needs to be next to a prolific striker who doesn't need a lot of, a lot of uh, service as we've seen to score. So I think Digar has, has found the right recipes, trusting the youth, uh, but he's also helped now with uh, by, by a sporting director who I think will just bring the right people. It finally might be, you know, four years later, the real start of the, uh, of the Ineos project in this. Let's let's not go too overboard on on Monaco. Knocked out of the the Europa League on Thursday by a, by I have to say a very good Leverkusen side. Monaco were pretty poor actually on Thursday, but they're still third in in the table, helped out by Lance's result. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and also just a little a little footnote: Eden and Sofiane Diop on the pitch at the same time. Uh, Eden, the younger brother of of Sofiane. Sofiane was there on Thursday watching on. Eden plays. Plays for Monaco. Watch, uh, watch that space too. Well, speaking of European exits, it was an absolutely terrible night for French teams on Thursday. Nantes and Rennes knocked out as well. I have to say, Angel Di Maria's first goal against Nantes. Oh, that's a that's a, a disgrace of a goal. It's so good. It's so good. Check check that one out. Um, and you have to wonder, should Paris Saint-Germain have kept Angel Di Maria? There's another podcast in itself. But Nantes, Nantes faced Rennes in a, in a Breton derby on Sunday. Breaking rights going to Rennes, it has to be said. And their fabulous Galette Saucisse, which uh, cannot be mentioned enough. Jeremy Doku with a nice little bit nice little bit of play, sneaking in on the blind side. A nice first goal uh, of the league season for him. There was a fine goal too for the, the, I have to say, very gifted. I really like him. Angelo Fulgini. Uh, for for Lance, his first strike as well, but Lance held at Montpellier. Good game from uh, Benjamin Leconte has to be said as well. But Lance, a little bit toothless, a little bit running out of steam. They're still out of the top three. Um, they're level on points with Monaco, but behind on goal difference. Fetu Mawasa, living up to his name, doing everything. Fetu, it's basically like does everything. That's what it means. And he scored with his head. Very first uh, career. Goal with his head, he was absolutely, he was absolutely uh, delighted. Factotum, uh, that's an interesting translation. Factotum, Mawasa. I'd like to, uh, maybe I'll name my next child uh, Factotum. Clermont won, Strasbourg won. Um, a brilliant shinned lob, it seemed to me, from Habib Diallo, his thirteenth of the season. And it, honestly, I don't know why teams do not buy Habib Diallo. Sorry, Strasbourg fans, but. You know, bigger clubs. When Marseille were looking for a centre forward, they go and buy Vitinha, uh, not that Vitinha, but the Vitinha who played just nine minutes in the classic. Habib Diallo, anybody? Strasbourg, though, still close to the drop zone. Ajaxio 
um, in 17th now because they uh, they got a good win against Troyes on Sunday. Well, moving to the north of France now, where it's uh, significantly chilly, I have to say, in the in the last couple of days. Lille taking on Brest in the uh, Friday night opener. Angus Tarod saw this one. Kenny Lala, the uh, Strasbourg import, is going to take this uh, corner kick, and it's in at the back post. Quite how that made it in, I don't really know. But Brest, from nowhere, co in front. What a stunner from Akraf Dari. Well, it was a really good ball in. It just hit the Moroccan. And Akraf Dari, who became a bit of a star of the Moroccan side late on in the World Cup, gets only his second league and goal of the season. It still looks like it comes off uh, of Akraf Dari, but it's been given as an own goal against Thiago Jallo. Oh, David! And it's saved by Marco Bizo, who gives a look of thunder to his defenders in front of him. We're through. Suddenly, David finds himself on his own, and Liga's joint top scorer couldn't put it either side of the goalkeeper. And he stays on 15 goals for the season. Worry for Paolo Fonseca, who watches on from the sidelines. We're heading towards the hour. Lille are getting slightly closer to scoring, but they're still not there yet. Eden Zegro with the corner. It's a good ball in, and there it is! On cue! Buffone Diakite, the man who scored a header against Paris Saint-Germain last weekend, has scored another one this weekend. Bullet header from the full-back. Only his second goal of the campaign. In it comes from the Englishman. Back post, he's missed it, and it's in! And Alexandro gets his goal in the end. What an important finish from the Brazilian centre-back who is playing in place of the injured Jose Font in defence. That's about the third time that they've aimed the corner at him. The goalkeeper totally missed it. Great delivery by Angel Gomez. And this time, Alexandro threw himself at it, bundling past his own man, Goodmanson, and forcing that ball into the back of the net. And Lille have come from behind to lead. What a roller coaster of emotions tonight for Le And disbelief on the faces of the Brest defenders. This was a fiery encounter. It has to be. It really was. There was no love lost between these two. Paolo Fonseca getting in the face of, of Eric Wire at the end. Paolo Fonseca getting sent off. A, a bagarre general, as they call it. A, basically, a, a bench-clearing melee uh, towards the end. Pretty, pretty, pretty unsightly. But three points for, for Lille. Goals for defenders. Bafore Diakite and uh, Alexandro, who, I, uh, yes... I just can't get over that name. He's he's like one, two Brazilian defenders named in in one first name. Anyway, his his first his first goal for for Lille. Lille knocking on the door of the European places. I thought I have to say mention for for Paulo Fonseca who who had to had that thirty hour road trip from Ukraine a year ago. He was wearing a little a blue a blue and red a blue and yellow excuse me ribbon to 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 mark the the one year anniversary of of Russia's invasion. Of, of Ukraine 
Lille, though, I mean, Lille, sixth place, two points uh, behind fifth place, Ren now. Gents, I mean, Paulo Fonseca, he's been even even offered to resign, it seems to me, about, <laughs> about six weeks ago. Um, a Lille aside that we that we want to see in Europe next season, or are we, are we looking at a top five finish for them? Or is this really sort of a, a, a rebuild season and maybe go again next season for European places? Well, to answer your question, I, I would like to see them in Europe because I, I like Lille as a club. Um, I don't think they've got quite enough, probably because the players they have let go. I mean, obviously they won the league a couple of years ago, but if you look at the players they've let go, they're really of high quality. They've done so well. I mean, players like Botman in England, Onana's done well. Look at how Ossiman, I know it's going back a few years, but look how well he's playing at, at Napoli. And it's a shame that when they get that quality of player, they seem to move on. Um, I think Fonseca's done a really good job. I saw a lot of them, certainly in the, the first couple of months of the season, I, I, I seem to watch a lot of them. Um, they have a plan. It was quite ambitious. They do like to keep possession of the ball. They do like to play expansive football. Uh, this was not the case on Friday. Uh, two very good goals from headers, actually. Um, which, you know, you, you've got to win you know, whatever way you can. I said, if there's a history between Lille or Brest, I'm racking my brain. I can't think of anything particular. But anyway, two two very good headers. And I was very pleased for your pal, Alexandro. Because uh, you remember when Lille got done 7-1 earlier in the season? And the poor guy was distraught coming off. I mean, he, he was playing like the second division in Portugal few years ago and he was like you know he was having getting getting completely taken to the cleaners by by Neymar who on that night had a brilliant a brilliant game and Neymar kind of put his arm over his shoulder you know Alexandro obviously being Brazilian as well and I thought that might have been the last we saw of Alexandro because he was completely distraught and and I thought well maybe he's not up to league gun level clearly is he had a very good game all round um I think Lille might be able to get one place higher this year, but probably no more. But I, I really hope they can keep the best players they've got now and, and maybe build for next season with one or two new uh, recruits. But they're probably the team that you want to see in Europe next season because of how well they play football. They've been, unfortunately for them, maybe a little bit wasteful um, offensively. And you, you know, Andreas was mentioning the, the player that they lost. If Jonathan David was as good as he should be, I think he wouldn't be in Lille anymore because despite the goal tally, you can that he could score uh, more week in, week out. And I think maybe the, the change of, of plan from four years ago to now, you know, trying to give a second chance to players that are a bit older, Andre Gomez, um, Remy Cabela, Adam Unas, uh, has actually worked well for them, not even mention Ismaili, that no one knew and turned out to be so, like, so critical for them. Alexandro hasn't, hadn't played a minute, I think, in 2023. And then when he's trusted again, he, he really does well. So it's one of the teams, I think, that plays the, the best football in Liga. Uh, they've just often, I think, had just everything going against them. So if, if Fonseca stays, I think we're in for a for a good little team. And, and it's great to have, you know, a, a derby du Nord that is so, so, so exciting this next weekend. Yes, indeed. That that coming up next weekend, that will be, uh, that will be quite a game, won't it? Um, other results at the weekend, I... Would like to say that I had the pleasure of commentating Lorient Auxerre, but it was not the best match. It was a beautiful day in Brittany, though at least, so that uh, that 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 helped. Auxerre with a big win, a big big win, second win on the bounce for them. They're out of the bottom four, Brest dropping into the bottom four. But that Ajaxio win over Troyes on Sunday means that Auxerre only out of the bottom four on goal difference, still very very tight at the bottom. Bar Angers, sorry for them. 
Well, you're listening to uh, the official Ligue 1 podcast in English, Le Bourgeois. You can find us or contact us on Twitter at Ligue 1 World or at Ligue 1 underscore ENG. And please do like, subscribe, follow and recommend us on all the usual podcast platforms. Time now for a little bit of Deja Who. First of all, the winner of the Leo Messi jersey in February. Now, I'm sure that uh, Jeremy and Andreas uh, got this one, but we're, we're, we're not, uh, we're not, we're not, it's not an inside job this week, this, uh, this month, uh, I have to say. The answers, Gabriel Heinzer, who missed the 2004 Coupe de France final, which was uh, Paris Saint-Germain's victory against Chateau Roux. He was on international duty with fellow PSG Argentine Juan Pablo Sorin, great hair, I have to say. And he's still got great hair as Sorin. The second answer was Jean-Pierre Dolliani. There's a blast from uh, a very, very long past. Who in 1974 scored two goals in the playoff against Valenciennes that saw PSG promoted to Ligue 1. Haven't been relegated since. That's a note from Robbie Thompson, I have to say. Lasana Diara. Here's one for you, uh, Jeremy. He scored his one and only league and goal on his debut at the ripe old age of 30 for Marseille against Troyes. And then Jérôme Loire, who is, uh, who is of our generation, Andreas, and you have to say, I feel old every time I say Leo Loire, the Montpellier midfielder, who's the son of Jérôme Loire, scored a brace for PSG against Marseille in 2003. Sorry, Jeremy. Uh, the second goal, tapping the ball home from just centimetres out after Ronaldinho had just absolutely embarrassed the entire Marseille defence. The winner. I feel like there should be a drum roll or, or some something, a crack of thunder or something here. Gislain Bonham. Well done, Gislain. You have won the Leo Messi shirt. The team will be in touch to get that heading your way as soon as possible. Well, not like classic wins for Marseille. One shirt giveaway on the, the Le Beaujeu follows another. Now for the first clue for this coming month of Le Bourgeois, which takes us through to the international break. Who am I? I played in France, Italy and England, as well as international football. I played with Gregory Coupe, but not Juninho, Pernambucano for those uh, Middlesbrough fans out there. I played with Noanko Cano, but not Thierry Henry. I played with William Gallas, but not Didier Drogba. I played with Rigobert Song, but not Samuel Eto'o. I played with Mark Viduca. Oh, I'd forgotten what a good player he was. But not Harry Kuehl. I played with David Beckham, but not Paul Scholes. Hmm, a little bit contrary this week from Robbie Thompson. Who am I? And in what match did I make my one and only international appearance? If you think you know who it is, then get in touch. Send your answers via email to league1podcast at gmail.com. Good luck. Hmm. Gentlemen, any any thoughts? I, I, I have a suspicion. I have a suspicion. Mm. The problem with, with Robbie Thompson's questions <laughs> is you, you can't just look them up on the internet. You can't just cheat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Robbie. It's like, come can't on. you just make one we... thing you can answer with Google? Um, I have to think. Oh, again, I thought of one, but there's always one little clue that puts you off track. I'll have to think about that. I might, I might unfortunately have it without giving Ooh. further clue. Oh. <laughs> oh, look at this. You can come back, Jeremy. You can come back. You actually know something about French football. That's amazing. <laughs> Talking of French football, there is a lot of it coming up 
this week. Coupe de France quarterfinal. Andreas already mentioned it. He'll be freezing. I mean, enjoying the game <laughs> in Nantes uh, at the Stade de la Bourgeois. Wrap up well. I have to say, pre-match press food, Andreas, though, is fantastic in the Bourgeois. Fantastic. I have. To, I went in the press room. The only time that I've been there to commentate a game, there were six bottles of red wine opened. I have to say, I didn't touch <laughs> it. I really didn't. But six bottles of red wine. I'll try they and bring know, one they, back they for you. Yeah. I'll try and bring one back for uh, you. <laughs> Leon Grenoble kicked things off on on uh, Tuesday. I, I suspect that Jeremy may have a little bit of a thing against Grenoble, given he's from Istres, which is uh, it's just probably a bit of a, a local derby. Uh, Nantes Lance on Wednesday. Toulouse Rodez. So that's a, it's. There's a couple. There's actually three Ligue 1, Ligue 2 uh, clashes. Leon Grenoble. Toulouse Rodez and Marseille Annecy at the uh, Stade Velodrome as well. That's on Wednesday. Should be quite a week of Coupe de France action. We've also got, of course, Ligue 1 action at the weekend. It's round 26. It's time to go on a little bon voyage. So, gentlemen, some... uh, very, very interesting and exciting encounters, namely that one at the Stade Felix Bollard, Delali, Lens against Lille. Uh, I don't think away fans will be allowed to that one somehow. <laughs> I think that's probably already been decided. Um, nice get things started against Auxerre at the Alliance Riviera. Paris Saint-Germain, Nantes. We've got Rennes, Marseille. That's a little bit of a of a classique as well in in, in certain terms at the at Rose on Park where the press food is the famed Galette Sossi second mention today I'm doing I'm doing really well uh, Jeremy being a Marseille fan I suspect you may want to head off to, to Rose on Park but you you may have other ideas yeah Rose on Park is probably where uh, where it's at for the weekend seeing how Marseille can bounce back after that that game and of course it's uh it's a game that Rennes needs to win if they want to uh get back into uh, into the right side of the of the European places. So, yeah, I think Horizon Park is probably a, a can't-miss this weekend for me. Mr. Ivagora, where do you fancy going? Well, by coincidence, uh, Ian, like yourself, I've just come back from holiday, um, and also by coincidence with a couple of Shti friends. Shti is obviously the, the people from that <laughs> part of the world, Lons Lille. I've, I've, I've perfected my uh, Shti accent. <laughs> eh? So I'll, I'll go for Lons Lille. <laughs> Does that qualify? Does it? Does that little? I don't know how to describe that. Does that qualify as an accent? Yeah, I would. Jeremy, how would you do that in another? How would you do that in another? In another accent, Jeremy? Maybe you could give us the East version of. <laughs> it, it, it'd be Eng. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! As usual, plenty of nonsense, 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 as it were, on Le Bourgeois this this week. You know what? I, I I'm just going to go a little bit left field here. I mean, Leon Lorient. I quite like the I quite like the look of that. I love a bit of Leon. I have to say, very good food down there. It is the it is the gastronomic capital of France, which is basically gastronomic capital of the world, except for Roison Park, where there's the Galette Saucisse, of course. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's, Stephen Willis has just dropped me a, dropped me a message saying it is extremely cold. Uh, in Lyon, it 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 is it is. Uh, I'll give you that, but it it is beautiful. Maybe then the the, the place to go would be uh, Nice or Serre on, on Friday, or maybe Montpellier, which I have to say is a is a great little town, Montpellier. But they they are playing Angers. Having said that, 
almost certainly you've got to say a home a home banker for uh, for Montpellier, where Michel Desacarian is back for a, a second spell in in charge, third spell uh, player and coach combined are unbeaten in their first three on the MDZ, as it were. So uh, they're doing they're doing pretty well. Well, Labosa will be back next week with me, Ian Holyman, to discuss everything French football. There'll be more news, highlights, and the sort of insight and analysis that suggests we do at times know what we're talking about, but but only suggests. And you get to, you'll get to prove that too with our Deja Who quiz to win yourself a Ligue 1 Uber Eats jersey. All that and more next week on the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in English, Le Bourget. Until then, it's au revoir.